This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. If you'll please join me in our call to worship. That we are here today is no accident. Christ himself calls us together. The invitation stretches far and wide from wilderness and wandering, from loneliness and longing. All have a place at the table. The feast is ready and waiting. There is no more than enough grace to go around. Joy is ours for the taking, and peace is poured out in abundance. Our every need has been anticipated. Taste and see that God is good. about a wedding later in the service, and so to invite us into this time of confession, I'd like to tell you about one of the largest weddings I have ever officiated. There were 27 people in the wedding party. 11 of them were under the age of five. 
You already know how this is going to end up. The 11 little ones, they were all in their matching outfits, and they were to hold on to a piece of flowered garland that would keep them all together as they came down the aisle. They managed to do exactly that up to the three-quarter mark. I do not know what happened at the three-quarter mark, but 11 children scattered into at least 17 directions. Some of them joined me up front, others looked for their parents, a few decided to investigate underneath the chairs, one sat down right where she was, and another headed back down the aisle asking loudly if it was time for cake yet. It was a few moments of total chaos and the groom, he turned and he looked to me and he whispered, this was not how we intended for this to go. But he said it with this big smile on his face, because those kids were his family. They were nieces and nephews and cousins, every one of them. And in that moment, that's what mattered most. Now I imagine that there are some times when that is how God looks at us. When God looks at what has happened, when we have gone off the rails and thinks, That is not how I meant for this to go. And yet we are God's children, and that will be what matters most. That's grace. And grace means that our mistakes are not erased, but our mistakes are never what define us. And confident in that grace then, friends, let us together offer our prayer of confession. Merciful God, Your patience is more than we deserve, for our priorities are so often confused. You invite us to your table of life and love, and rather than running full tilt, we hesitate. We consult our calendars and weigh our options. We consider who else might be in attendance. We question whether we really belong. Forgive us for not always knowing what is best for us, And forgive us when we know, but still choose otherwise. Show us once again what faithfulness looks like. you are a child of God, and that will always matter more than anything else about you. So hear these words that are trustworthy and true. Whatever you have done, whatever you have failed to do, whoever you are, whoever you may one day still become, you are welcome. 
You are accepted, you are forgiven, you are loved forever by the very creator of the world, and there is nothing, absolutely nothing, that can ever change that. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Thanks be to God. Let us remind ourselves what God's love asks of us. Someone asked Jesus, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment? Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. This is the first and greatest commandment, and a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So what we do in here is practice for what we will do out there in the world. So let us practice loving our neighbors in here just as Christ asks us. So please turn to one another and share some sign of peace. The peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Welcome once again to this service of worship on the Lord's Day. Jesus assures us that where two or three are gathered, he is there among us, and so surely the Lord is in this place. 
Whether you are a first-time visitor or a long-time member, you have made us better today simply by being with us. It is our hope that everyone who passes through those doors is changed in some way by your time here, whether it is comfort if you need comfort or challenge if you need challenge. Our hope and our prayer is that this is a time of transformation. If you have not already and you have access on the ends of the pews to those maroon pew pads, if you would sign your name, pass them down, and then to those seated near you, if there are names in there that are unfamiliar to you, do your best to change that before you go home today so that all might be welcome here. As you tend to that, a few announcements to highlight for you. Music on Madison, the concert is today at 3 o'clock. Mom's Night Out is coming up. Fridays for Children is coming up. Details about all of that are in your bulletin. One announcement that did not make it into the bulletin is about our angel trees. For a number of years, as many of you know, we have partnered with Church of the Gethsemane in Brooklyn to provide gifts to families who need a little extra help during the holiday season. So if you would like to know more about that or if you would like to participate in that, there will be a table out in the church house lobby following worship. Um, And I am to tell you that uh, that tends to go fast. So if you would like to be a Christmas angel, I suggest you move on that today. You all know that we are in the midst of our stewardship series, Come to the Table. This series concludes next Sunday, which is our Pledge Dedication Sunday. So before anything else, a word of thanks, because gratitude and generosity always go hand in hand. So for all that you have done to support Madison Avenue Presbyterian Church and the ministry and mission of this place, thank you. We would not be the church we are without you. I do want to share with you as an encouragement that in a statement of faithful leadership and hope for our future, 100% of our elders have pledged in advance, hoping that might encourage your own faithful pledging. And lastly, a word on logistics. We will collect pledge cards next Sunday. Following each service, we will have a congregational brunch in the parish hall. If you're not able to join us, you can mail your cards in or pledge online. But all in all, our hope is that next week you will come to the table and receive the bread of life and the cup of salvation. We hope that you will come to the table with an expression of gratitude to God. And finally, we hope that you will come to the table for bacon and eggs and hash browns because there's going to be a lot of them. That is more than enough from me. We are fortunate to hear from Julian Schroeder on his perspective on giving. I know your bulletin says Brent Jones, but Brent had some surgery, and so Julian is stepping in for us today. Thank you, Jenny. And I'm I'm pleased to tell you the surgery on Brent's hand went well. But he's taking some pretty powerful painkillers, and he was a little afraid what he might say if he got up here and I was painkillers, so that's why I'm here. <laughs> anyway, this morning, um, Ruth and I, as we do most Sundays, we walk across Central Park uh, to uh, services here at MAPC. And God's blessings are all around us. In the park, there was an abundance of nature, beauty, color, sun, people, all given by God. We arrive at our church home, which is filled with friends, beautiful music, worship prayers, and a sermon that reflects on the deepest themes of life. 
In Christian education this fall, we've looked at gratitude both as an individual response, the I response, and as the community of gratitude, the we response. We thank God for blessings given to us, at the same time mindful of others in far more difficult circumstances. A friend struggling to put her life back together. Another working on behalf of LGBTQ homeless youth. People in Haiti fighting a corrupt government. And others who do not know personally, but who are fleeing oppression in Central America or live in war-torn regions of the world. We reach out to our sisters and brothers in Christ. Support for our church enables our faith to spread to all, even those in very difficult circumstances can share in the beauty of the life of our Savior, Jesus Christ. This year's stewardship theme is Come to the Table. In communion, we are enriched when we come to the table. When we share God's abundance, we are enriched. Our table welcomes all. In this time of deep divisiveness, what a wonderful symbol. Who doesn't enjoy food, friendship, family, and wine together? We have the opportunity and joy to devote our resources to build an abundant table, one that can reach out to all with more than material goods, to stand witness to the life of Jesus Christ. In this stewardship season, we invite all to come to the table with abundance and joy. Thank you very much. Our Old Testament lesson this morning comes from the prophet Isaiah chapter 55, verses 1 through 5 and 10 through 13. First, let us pray. Almighty God, you are the giver of all good things. Knowing this and trusting this, we make this our prayer. Give us ears that we may hear your word. Give us minds that will open to your ideas. And give us hearts that will embrace your will. We pray all this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, the Word incarnate. Amen. Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you that have no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk, without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me, and eat what is good, and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me. Listen, so that you may live. I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. See, I made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and commander for the peoples. See, you shall call nations that you do not know, and nations that do not know you shall run to you because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven 
and do not return there until they have watered the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and succeed in the thing for which I sent it. For you shall go out in joy and be led back in peace, The mountains and the hills before you shall burst into song, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress, instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle, and it shall be to the Lord for a memorial, for an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
invite the children to come and join me here at the font. I am so glad you're all here. We'll just give everybody a chance to get here. When you eat dinner at home, who is usually at the table? James? Your family, right. How about a special dinner like somebody's birthday or Thanksgiving or Christmas? Then who's there? Your friends, Your friends? yeah. Who else is there? Cousins? Charlotte, did you have another answer? Bigger family, right? Often lots of relatives are there. Sometimes friends come and join us. So eating together is something special we do, usually with people we love and care about, our families and our friends. God has a table for God's family, too. So where is God's table in this church? And you can point to it. It's right there, right? Our communion table. We have a very special <laughs> meal there every single Sunday. Is it a whole lot of food that fills up your tummies? No. It's a tiny little bit, right? A little piece of bread, a little bit of juice or wine. It doesn't fill our tummies, but it fills our spirits. It's a different kind of food. And who is welcome at this table? Everyone. Everyone. Absolutely right. So usually when we have a meal at home, we know everybody, right? The people we, we, we eat with at home are the people that we're closest to. But here, we eat at God's table with everyone. I want you to take just a minute to turn and look at everybody in this congregation. And I want you all to do the same thing. Just look around you. Is there anybody here who knows every single person in this room? Raise your hand if you know everybody. I can't raise my hand. I don't think any of us can. So when we come to God, there you go. <laughs> when we come to God's table, we are eating with people we don't even know, right? Everybody is welcome at this table. People who are older, people who are younger, people who might look different from us, people who may be from another place, people we may have never seen before. No matter who you are, everybody is welcome at God's table. You don't have to have a lot of money to eat at God's table. You don't have to dress a certain way. You can be neat or messy. You can speak a different language. You don't even have to really understand just what that little piece of bread and that little sip of juice mean. The most important thing to understand is that everyone is welcome at God's table. And that when we eat that bread and we dip it in the juice or take a sip of wine, God is reminding us how much God loves us because God gave us Jesus. God is also reminding us that we are all God's people together, even if we don't all know each other. Will you please pray after me? And I'll ask everyone out there to join us in praying. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for welcoming everyone to your table for welcoming everyone to your table. Thank you for loving all of us. Thank you for loving all of us. Help us to welcome and love everyone too. Help us to welcome and love everyone too. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you all so much. If you are second grade and under, 
you can go out this way with Sarah and Rebecca, and if you're older than second grade, you can go sit with your parents. Friends, our New Testament lesson comes from Luke's, or not from Luke, from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 22, verses 1 through 14. Once more, Jesus spoke to them in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his slaves to call those who had been invited to the wedding banquet, but they would not come. Again, he sent other slaves, saying, Tell those who have been invited, Look, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen and my fat calves have been slaughtered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they made light of this invitation and went away, one to his farm, another to his business, while the rest seized his slaves, mistreated them, and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his troops, destroyed those murderers, and burned their city. Then he said to his slaves, The wedding is ready, but those invited were not worthy. Go, therefore, into the main streets and invite everyone you find to the wedding banquet. Those slaves went out into the streets, and they gathered all whom they found, both good and bad. So the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing a wedding robe. And he said to him, Friend, how did you get in here without a wedding robe? The man was speechless. Then the king said to the attendants, Bind him hand and foot and throw him into the outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, I was all set to title this sermon, Yes, There Is a Dress Code. But then I remembered that sign out front. That sign that thousands of New Yorkers walk by each day. That sign that includes the title of the sermon. Now you've already heard today's gospel reading, so you might have an idea of where a sermon by that name might be going. But out of context, yes, there is a dress code, might feel rather unwelcoming and inhospitable. So I scratched it. Matthew, though, the evangelist Matthew, he would probably grumble at my reasoning. After all, it is his gospel that recalls Jesus telling the story of the wedding banquet and the underdressed guest. The truth is, I have such terribly mixed feelings about this story. But that said, just this morning, as I was walking to church, as I do most days, I passed by Starbucks, as I do more days than I'd care to admit, I stopped inside to pick up my order when something happened to me that has never happened before. 
Two of us walked up to the counter at the same time and said in unison, order for Jenny. Now my name, our name, is fairly common, but even still it stopped both of us in our tracks. And it stopped the barista as well. It turns out this was her first weekend on the job. Most of the workers there, they know me. Again, we will not discuss why. And the barista, she looked at two identical cups that both simply said, Jenny. She looked at the cups, and she looked at us, and she looked at the cups again, and then she looked at the register for backup. Now, I am sure we could have figured this out on our own, but she was new. Working at the register was Alphonse, who prefers to be called A. A glanced up, took one look at us, and went back to the register. He said, the one on your left is for Jenny the preacher, the one on your right is for Jenny the nurse. Now, if it had been any other day of the week, that might not have helped this young woman very much. But it is Sunday, and so the two of us stood before her, one in blue scrubs and the other in a clergy collar. Well, okay then, she said. Sometimes what we wear tells the world exactly who we are. Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like a wedding banquet, a wedding banquet for the king's son, and so invitations go out to the who's who of the community. But when it comes to that invitation, I'm not so sure I would have wanted one. If this story means what it says, an invitation to that particular table means you might end up encountering violence and murder. You might end up seated to the best or worst of society. You might end up tossed out if you don't dress appropriately. And finally, not for nothing, I can't help but notice that even if you make it through all of that, you might still go to bed hungry because at no point in this story does the veal piccata actually make it on to even a single plate. Dinner is never served. So yes, I would like to skip this one. The problem is that the king, the king invites everyone, literally everyone. Jesus goes out of his way to make sure that those who are listening to him realize just how scandalously broad the guest list has become. After being turned down by the original guest list, the king sends his servants out to gather not just some others. He gathers all others, everyone they could find, the good and the bad. When the king wants to have a party, the king will have a party. And at this party, everyone is worthy of an invitation. So the wedding hall, it is finally filled with guests, and all is right in the ancient world for exactly one half of one verse. Because as soon as the king comes in to greet his guests, brimming with pride and joy that finally there are people here to celebrate his son, as soon as he arrives, he notices a gentleman who is dressed, well, 
he notices a man who is dressed almost as if he'd walked in off the streets, almost as if when he left the house that day, he had no idea he would end up at a royal wedding that night. But not interested in any other excuses, the king throws him out of the party. So this might be a good time for a brief aside. When Jesus tells us a story, he's not recounting what he saw happen yesterday or the day before that. He's relaying something of what it means for us to live as God intends. And there's almost always a story behind the story. Now, in the interest of time, I'm going to tell you the short version of the story behind the story. If you want the long version, I can tell you at coffee hour. No one took me up at that the last service, by the way. The short version is this. It's important that we remember every time we hear a parable that we are hearing it through the editorial hand of Matthew. And in Matthew's community, there were a lot of longtime believers and a good number of new believers. And ultimately, the issue at hand was grace. You see, the old-timers, they still had the law etched on their hearts, and the new folks, well, some of them were showing up without really understanding what it meant to show up. This was causing some controversy, so that is the story behind the story. But to talk about this wedding banquet is to talk about the kingdom of heaven. And to talk about the kingdom of heaven is to talk about grace, God's invitation to God's people to be at God's party. That is grace. But some of them were acting as if the invitation read, Come as you are, no big deal, no fancy clothes, no etiquette, no RSVP, no problem. But there was a problem. They'd forgotten whose party it was in the first place, which meant they couldn't tell the difference between cheap grace and costly grace. Now, they wouldn't have known to call it that back then, of course. Those terms would come from Dietrich Bonhoeffer centuries later. But the idea holds no matter what you call it. Cheap grace expects something for nothing. Sometimes it expects everything for nothing. Costly grace knows that grace is unconditional, but that it comes with expectation. Cheap grace, Bonhoeffer says, is forgiveness without repentance, baptism without discipline, communion without confession, community without discipleship. And costly grace, he says, costly grace tells us that we are to embrace a life of discipleship. It asks us to clothe ourselves in a whole new way of being. Cheap grace asks, what can I get? Costly grace asks, now that I have been given so much, what now can I give? One of the sweetest weddings I ever officiated, it was a second marriage for the bride. 
Her first husband had died far too young of cancer, leaving a single mom and a baby boy. Over time, the couple soon to be married, they met, and that baby boy became a toddler and eventually a highly opinionated five-year-old. It was important to both the bride and the groom that Owen be involved in the ceremony. He was to serve as the ring-bearer and then stand next to his mother throughout the service. We had even gone ahead and created some vows that included him. And for weeks leading up to the service, every Sunday, Owen would wait until worship was over and the crowds had cleared out so that he could practice walking up and down that long center aisle. He was excited for this wedding, and he took his responsibilities very seriously. That's why I was so Shocked when just before the rehearsal I walked in and found Owen sobbing as his mother tried to comfort him. The groom, he grabbed me by the elbow, led me a few feet away, and explained the problem. It turns out that sometimes five-year-old ears don't hear the nuance of the English language quite like we do. And for all of these months, Owen did not think he was going to be the ring bearer. Owen thought he was going to be the ring bear, as in a furry brown creature that grunts and growls as it ambles its way toward the wedding party. He was prepared to be a ring bear. All this time, he thought a costume was coming. A miniature coat and tie were a very poor substitute, He could not be consoled, and we ran through the rehearsal as quickly as possible with a very sad little boy wiping his eyes the entire time. The next afternoon, I checked in with the bride and the groom, and, well, they handed me a liturgical vestment that I had never worn before, and I have never worn since. They explained to me that last night as they were talking, they realized that what mattered to them more than anything else was that Owen remember this as a day of joy. And so, they said, they had compromised. Owen would walk down the aisle with his proper suit and tie and with bear ears fastened to a headband. Owen was delighted with this. He assured me very solemnly that he knew exactly when to walk down the aisle, exactly how to hand me the rings, and exactly how to feel like a bear without acting like a bear. But what Owen didn't know is that as soon as he took his first step inside the sanctuary, the rest of the wedding party, pastor included, donned our own pairs of bear ears. And when the bride made her big appearance, she too had bear ears somehow worked into her hair. By no stretch of the imagination was it proper wedding attire. But it was the right wedding attire. I have never looked quite so ridiculous But I have never seen a little boy smile so big for so long. Now I'm sure that to some, 
the whole lot of us, we probably looked as out of place with our bare ears as the king's wedding guest looked in his shorts and sandals with his shirt tails sticking out. But to assume that, well, that would be to miss the point entirely. You see, the king's guest, my friend Tom, he puts it this way. He says, the king's guest isn't thrown out because he refuses to change his clothes. He's thrown out because he refuses to change his heart. You see, just like food is never just about food in scripture, clothes are never just clothes. In the early church, when new converts were baptized, they put on a new garment as part of the ritual. The old attire was left behind. It was a symbol, this new garment, of a new identity, of a brand new life. That garment is what Paul has in mind when he writes to the church in Ephesus, clothe yourselves with the new self. To the Colossians, he writes, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. And to the Galatians, he says, as many of you were baptized into Christ, have clothed yourself with Christ. To be clothed with Christ is to be ready to live as a disciple, to be prepared to live a life of faith. That is how one dresses at the wedding banquet of the king. And even though we are still in the rehearsal dinner here and now, we do well to dress up nevertheless. Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like a wedding banquet. It's an important story. It declares that you are loved and the party the feasting table, it will not be the same without you. It also declares that while God's love comes to us where we are, love, real love, it never leaves us as we are. And grace, real grace, costly grace, it always asks something of us. So friends, the invitation to the party to that grand wedding banquet. The invitations have been sent. Will you accept with pleasure or will you decline with regret? But much more importantly, what on earth are you going to wear? Pray with me. Gracious God, we believe. Help our unbelief. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.
standing as you are able, and let us together confess the faith of the Church using the Apostles' Creed as you find it printed in your bulletins. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated. Let us join our hearts in prayer. Eternal God, you who are our sure foundation, our sustainer, comforter, and healer, we come to you in prayer for those we love, your church, our community, and our world. We know you are with us and hear the longings of our hearts. We pray for the church, keep us faithful, and give us hope in these challenging times. Inspire and empower your people to proclaim your word, not only through our words, but even more through our practices and our deeds. We pray for our sisters and brothers in the Synod of Harare in Zimbabwe as they live through challenging times. Give them strength and hope. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for those who are struggling, those who have suffered great loss in the fires in California, flooding in other parts of the country, and other disasters throughout the world. We pray for those who have no home, especially as cold weather arrives, those who are hungry, those seeking employment. We pray for refugees and immigrants seeking safety and a chance for a stable life. And for all who live in countries torn by war and violence, we pray that all may have enough, enough food, adequate shelter, safety, freedom from oppression, and the resources to sustain themselves. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Eternal God, we pray for our nation in this troubling time when we are so deeply divided. May we diligently seek the truth and hold our leaders accountable to it. Help us to live with compassion and not to give in to complacency or despair. Inspire and empower us to lift up those who are downtrodden and work to end all forms of discrimination and truly love our neighbors as ourselves. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. As we observe Veterans Day tomorrow, we thank you for those who have given this country their service in the military. We pray for veterans and their families who are struggling to overcome physical challenges and who live with mental or emotional illnesses. We pray for the many veterans living on the streets. Sustain them, give them hope, and the resources and support they need. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. God of compassion, be with those who are sick. We pray for those in the hospital or in rehabilitation centers, remembering Francois Silachom, 
Cash Dunlap, John Weaver, and Luis Rodriguez. We pray for those in long-term care or who are homebound, remembering today Gordon Robbins, Werner Gross, Chris Vissian, and Marjorie Norris. Through your spirit, bring healing, strength, comfort, and hope. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Eternal God, we pray for all who mourn the death of one they love, remembering those known to this congregation, the family and friends of Jack McDonough, Norman Knabel, Alison Ramos, Marianne Agnes Cox, and Romel Seralde. Give them your peace and the sure hope of the resurrection. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Hear our prayers and give us courage, strength, and compassion that we may be your faithful people in these difficult days. In Christ we pray. Amen. Now with grateful hearts, let us return to God a portion of what God has given to us by offering our tithes and our gifts.
please be seated. We come now to this table, this table where everyone is welcome, no matter who you are or how you come. This table where we receive everything we need and even more than we can imagine. This table that equips us for all that is to come. So come to this table. Come to this table, you who have much faith and you who would like to have more faith. Come to this table, you who know what it is to run, to walk, and to fly. And come to this table, you who know what it is to stumble. Come to this table, you who understand all of our tradition and vocabulary. And come to this table, you who still find it a bit strange. Come to this table, you who hunger and thirst for a better life and a fairer world. And come to this table, you who simply seek a place to rest. Come to the table, for it is the Lord's table. He is the one who invites you, and it won't be the same without you. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is with deep joy to praise you, O God. How can we keep from singing when we see your beloved creation? How can we keep from praising when light opens our eyes, revealing your glories? We feel the ground that rises to hold us steady and see the sun that peeks through the tall buildings. We walk under the black velvet of the night sky that allows the stars to twinkle and the city to glow. All these small details crafted by your hands and molded into order. And so no wonder you molded us into order as well. Your spirit lays on our hearts like a weighted blanket, just as it was amongst those before us. And so with our hearts weighed down with your spirit, we join our voices with the company of heaven who forever sing to the glory of your holy name. Blessed is your Holy Son, who is so full of grace and truth that we cannot help but follow him. Christ came on this earth calling upon followers to feed the hungry, love the outcast, and embrace those who need a little extra lift in this world. And then when Christ joined you, you sent your spirit to empower and inspire. Therefore, let your spirit come to rest in these ordinary elements for nourishment as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ has risen. Christ will come again. We have never been more ready for this joyful feast. We are hungry for the bread and thirsty for the cup. 
And so we join our voices once again, praying the way your Son taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Jesus, on the night of his arrest, took bread, and after giving thanks, he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And it was in the same way that he took the cup, and pouring it out, he said, This cup, it is the cup of the new covenant. It is sealed in my blood and shed for the forgiveness of sins. And he said, Every time you drink of it, do so in remembrance of me. The Apostle Paul reminds us that every time, each and every time we share this bread and this cup, we proclaim the life, death, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ until he comes again. Friends, these are the gifts of God for the people of God. Let us keep the feast.
Let us pray. For the gifts of this table, O God, we give you great thanks, and for those with whom we have shared them. Enable us to use all that we have received here, love found in sacrifice, joy found in community, bread for the journey, and hope for the future. Help us to remember all of this, O God, until we gather here at your table once more. And in the meantime, may we live in a way that compels others to join us here again. Amen. So may joy and nothing less follow you all the days of your life. May you be blessed and may you be a blessing and may you rest well today, secure in the knowledge that the Lord of light, who has brought you this far already, will lead you and countless others all the way home. Amen.